How many know if you have it in your hands, you don't have to hope for it? If you hope, if you have it within your reach, you don't have to hope for it. If it's in your bank account, how many know you don't have to hope for it? But hope is an action predicated on uncertainty. It is a word that is described the act of being unsure about one's circumstances and essentially wishing for an outcome conducive to one's desires. How many know we all have wishes and we all have hopes? Come on now. We all have them. I hope that I might get this job. I hope that I might get the promotion. I have a hope that I can make it to where I'm going even today. I heard that even on the highway that the traffic was bad. And how many know that when you're in the middle of traffic, you just hope that you can get where you're going on time. You have a hope. And when you're going through situations that seem unsure, how many know you begin to hope for a better outcome? Yeah. I want to say this this morning. I didn't plan on saying it. But for nine years, we hoped that our little girl would see a good report. But I said this last week, that as of last week, for the first time in nine years, we got a good report from the doctor. Yeah. And how many of you know that during that nine years, that, that when you are hoping for something to turn around, that you will hear people all around you, that they don't want to hear it any longer, and they will stop hoping with you. But how do you know that hope is something that you have to hold on to? Even when it seems unclear and un, 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 not even right, that you've got to hold on to hope. Uh, it's not something, how do you know that Christian hope, being a believer, it's not something that you're crossing your fingers and just hoping that it happens. Now, come on now, we've all been there. Uh, we've walked into a job and we said to our friend, uh, you cross your fingers and you say, hey, just believe with me and hope that I get the job. But how many know as a believer, we have a hope that is not a crossing of our fingers? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, he says we have a full assurance of hope. We desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. (laughs) That your hopes are replaced with the hope that is found in Jesus. He says there, you'll have a hope until the end. And that your hope is replaced by the hope that is found in Jesus. I'm going to get to this in a little bit. But how many know that your hopes are not centered around by what you're believing in. But, what, but it's simply believing your hope is anchored to the thing that you have hope in. Yeah. You're, you, how many know you can hope for the job, but the job may not, may not come to pass. Uh, but how do you know when your hope is in Jesus, even when you don't get what you were hoping for, you still have hope. My good God. Yeah, you may not have got what you were hoping for, but when you're hooked and anchored in Jesus, you still have hope. Amen? I'm reminded back in the Vietnam War that there was a guy named Major Harold Kushner. He was a POW, a prisoner of war at the time, and he was telling stories of a particular Marine. He was 24 years old. And it said that the, 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 the Vietnam soldiers told him that if he would do everything that he was asked to do, he would get out and he would uh, make it to the end and they would give him back to America. So he did everything that he was asked to do. He saluted when he was did it. He took the beatings. He took every single thing, and he did it because he had a hope that there was an end to it. 
Uh, but then all of a sudden he began to realize because word got passed down that no matter what he did, that, that he was not going to get out, but he would die in that situation. Shortly after that, in the middle of losing that hope or getting to the consciousness that the end was near, it said that he literally, he, he got on a cot, he sucked his thumb, refused to eat, and within three weeks he died. Have you know this is a sign of hopelessness? This is a sign of hopelessness that when you don't have hope of something will change, have you know your outcome will begin to change? Yeah, that when you don't have an expected end, my good God, when you don't have an expected end, have you know it will change how you deal with this situation. But I'm reminded of Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> I'm reminded of Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, that he says, you have an expected end that is not of evil, but it is of good. Come on now. He says, my plans for you are different. And how do you know when you have a hope that is linked in Jesus, that no matter what you're facing, that you may be facing a late, late offness, that you may have be, be facing a divorce, you may be facing a sickness, you may be facing a, the worst thing that you could ever go through, like the POW. But when you have a hope that is centered in Jesus, come on now, that you still have hope that is anchored in him. He says there uh, that also there was something that the doctors began to find out in World War II in Korea and Vietnam that when prisoners begin to have this certain type of disease, it was called give up itis. I know that sounds crazy, but it literally is a, is a technical documented diagnosis called give up itis. How do you know when you give up, that's when life is over? You know what I found out? That typically when you give up, typically you're on the other side. You are inches away from your blessing. Because how do you know the enemy will always throw your toughest storm when you're inches away from your blessing? Because he can see that if you keep on persevering and keep on pushing through the storm, how do you know he knows that if he can get you to give up, you'll miss what's on the other side. But I want to get around a group of believers and I want to encourage those that maybe have lost some hope. I want to encourage you to get hope back down inside of you, to, that your blessing is on the other side and I want to encourage you that listen one thing that we say around here and we mean it with everything in us we do life together that listen when you can't fight the fight any longer that you have some brothers and sisters that are around you you have some life groups you have a church you have a pastor that when you get weak in the battle that a group of believers gets up beside you and says we're not doing life alone and when you give up we'll pick you you up and push you into your blessing because the Bible says to rejoice with those that rejoice because how you know that when you get blessed we get blessed my good God and it may not be my time of blessing but when you are blessed how you know that my blessing is on the way yeah the human spirit needs hope to survive and to thrive it needs it that when there is no hope the, 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 your life, your spirit begins to be paralyzed in where you're at. Yeah. Have you ever seen people that give up hope? Come on. Yeah. Have you ever seen them? It's like they become zombies in life. Yeah. They become paralyzed in life. Yeah. I, I, I'd never forget 
hope is a is a is a thing that sometimes is 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 double sided. Because if you give up in hope, you'll never receive the very thing that you were hoping for. But if your hope is not parallel with Jesus, it becomes delusional. There's this thing within uh, within science that we where we work at the cancer center, we see people that are fighting battles every single day, giving giving short term, telling them that you only have six months to live. Three months to live. And how do you know when you are told that you'll do anything possible to extend that time? Yeah. And what will happen is you'll have such a hope to where what will happen is you will do every single thing possible. And you will go from every doctor to get a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion. You'll travel all around the nation just hoping to extend your time. And what happens is you put so much thought or hope in the existence of hope itself that you forget to live. You understand what I'm saying? That you put so much hope in the thought that that I'll keep this person living. I'll keep this, this family member living. That what happens is you're more concerned about getting them healed rather than spending time with them in their last days. You understand what I'm saying? And you've got to have hope with everything in you, but I can't stress this enough that your hope has got to be anchored in not another doctor's report. It's got, it cannot be anchored in another, in another state or another procedure that your hope has got to be in Jesus and Jesus alone. We all have this craving within us. Our spirit was created to have hope. Over 2,500 years ago, King Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, he says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is as a tree of life. Isn't it funny that God placed the hope in you? He placed the hope in you because he knew that throughout life you would need hope to reach certain destinations. I have hope that I'll get married one day. I have hope that I'll become successful in business one day. I have hope that I'll make it an education. I have hope that everything will turn out right. But the reality is he put this longing within us, not for temporal things, but because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That I am the hope that you're supposed to. He put this longing within us, not to seek more, but to seek him, my good God. Because he says there, I am the hope that people are looking for. I am the one. And have you know that we are living in a hopeless state nowadays? You don't believe me? Turn on CNN and Donald Trump is the most popular thing coming and going. Who in the world would ever think that Donald Trump would be the most popular? Because people have hope even in crazy things. But our reality is that God, and if you're a Trump supporter, I'm sorry. Just forgive me. I'm sorry. I like his hair, but I don't like much more than that. Uh, And and so, uh, listen, we have hope and expectations of making things great again, right? But the reality is God said, I want your hope to be founded and grounded in me. People are searching for all kinds of different things. They're turning on their TV and just hoping. They're looking at their stocks and just hoping that things are going to turn around. Just looking, hoping. Have you know, even West Virginia fans just hoping that we get a win. Just hoping. 
Because having a West Virginians, that's all we do is just hope that we get a... We, that's why I can't be a West Virginia fan. I'm a Seminole fan where real hope lies. Amen? Uh, hallelujah. I, I saw a sign one day. Uh, there was a dog, and it said, it said there was a dog with three legs. He was blinding one left eye. He was missing a right tail, a right ear. And his tail was broken, and he had even been castrated. And it said on the bottom of it, if you see him, his name's Lucky. Uh, have you know that that dog ain't Lucky? That dog ain't lucky. That dog ain't been lucky at all. And I know some people would say, well, he survived a lot. But how do you know that luck is not that? I'm, I'm, I'm reminded even this past week of St. Patrick's Day. But how do you know that we don't live by luck or by hope that we live in Jesus? Yeah, uh, listen, the, the reality is we cannot get delusional and, and, and blind optimism. We cannot get delusional and, and just hoping for the best or wishful thinking. But when you're rooted in Jesus, you know that everything will work out because I'm reminded when he told Joseph, he says that it may not have looked good, but it'll turn out for your good if you keep on walking through it. Yeah. And when you're not hooked in that kind of anchor, the reality is you'll begin to wonder, is this for my good when I'm walking through it? Because having those some situations in life that you walk through don't feel good to you. Yeah, and if you're not in a storm right now, baby, just keep on living because there will be a storm that will come in life. That maybe you're young and maybe you don't see that storms will come. That that things sometimes don't work out the way we want them to work out. But if you will be like Joseph, that if no matter if I'm in Potiphar's house or if I'm in the jail, I'll still lift up his name because I know that the promise will come to pass in my life. We don't have to live by these things. We don't have to, but there's promises that are hooked. Uh, I want to say this, and, and I want you to remember this if you remember nothing else. Our hope is only as good as what is it, it is attached to, as what it is anchored to. Hope in of itself has no power. If, if, If I was here and I said to someone, hey, after church, I want you to come to me and I'm going to give you a million dollars. How many know you'll meet me after church? Right? But how you know my bank account don't show that I can give you a million dollars? Right? And you might believe me the first time, but the second time, and by the third time, there'll become a disappointment because my name can't carry the promise that I'm trying to give you. But if Rockefeller comes in the door, Trump comes in the door, and he says, hey, meet me after church, for I'm going to give you a million dollars. Have you know your expectation of the hope will raise? Because you know that there is an anchoring of his name based upon the character of his past, right? And, and the reality is, is that no matter what we've tried in life, that you may have tried to do life by yourself, and things have not worked out. You may have, you know, that sometimes even marriage is some of the toughest things that you can walk through because a lot of times you feel alone and isolated in that situation, 
And so you'll go to someone for help, but it doesn't feel like they understand you and you keep on walking in it alone. But I'm going to tell you this, that even though life may have disappointed you in the past, that if you will hook to the promises of God, have you know that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it will not fail, but it will accomplish the very thing that it was set out to do. And although life may keep disappointing you, that I'm telling you this, there's something about being a believer, that there's a hope inside of you, there is a presence inside of you, there is a peace inside of you that says people may have failed me, businesses may have failed me, marriages may have failed me, but Jesus has never failed me yet. And I may not see it in my life today, but when I look over my life and everything that I've been through, even when I didn't see it back then, that when I stand here today, I stand here saying, it is only God that has kept me as a miracle under the day. I didn't see it when I was walking through it, but now that I'm past it, I see that it was only Jesus that kept me during that time. Listen, I don't know where you're at in life, and I, I'm not really the biggest golf fan, the biggest golf player. I, I, you know, Tiger Woods, when he came around, it kind of sparked my interest. And the Greenbrier Classic, because it's so close and I think it's so good for West Virginia, it sparked my interest. Um, I use it a lot of times as a good nap to watch through because, you know, I can't hardly stand watching it for three or four hours, but it's a good nap. And, uh, but I remember one time I was watching it, and... A guy's ball had went over into the woods or over into the water. And they said, so-and-so is going to get a mulligan. And I thought, what in the world is a mulligan? I don't know what that is. And so uh, the announcer began to talk about it. And it said, so-and-so is going to get a do-over. So-and-so is going to get a do-over. That's what a mulligan means. It means a do-over. And how many know... That in life, a lot of times, you don't get to have a do-over. You don't. That when your life scratches and what you were trying to hit misses and goes to the right. How many know a lot of times you will live the consequences of your mistakes for a long time? And even when you forget about the consequences of things you walk through, how many know someone will come beside you and remind you (laughs) of what you did back then? Yeah. Yeah. You will. You'll get reminded of what you did back then. And even when you get scot-free and you, I mean, you think you are running, running good. And it's like, here comes so-and-so around the corner of Kmart reminding you of what you used to do. Reminding you of that mistake that you've tried to forget. And it's like that thing was never erased or never vanished. But can I tell you something? That Jesus is in the do-over business. Yeah. You can tweet that that Jesus is in the mulligan business. I promise you that when you hit the ball into the field and you hit the ball and you can't find it, when you hit it into the lake and it cannot be found, having you know, the Bible says that Jesus said your old will be made new, my good God, that your old man will be erased and there'll be a new man, that, the, that Paul said there is therefore no condemnation in those that love Christ Jesus. And the good thing that I like about Jesus, he says, I don't just give it one time at the cross but he says my mercies are new every single day can I encourage you this morning that maybe you're that you're living for God and maybe you've been doing 
a lot of things right, but you've made some mistakes. Can I tell you something? That his mercies are new every single day. And I don't know about you. I needed his mercies to carry me to where I'm at today. Because maybe you're perfect. Maybe you've lived perfect. But I thank God that he's loved some imperfect people like me. That I've said some wrong things. And I've thought some wrong thoughts. And I've done some sins that I shouldn't have done. But he said, you're my child. And I still love you. And my mercies are new every day. Can I encourage you that no matter what you've walked through, there is a do-over in him. There is a do-over in him. There is a do-over in him. That the reality is, I don't know where you're at, that maybe life has squeezed you like a, like a, like a, a tube of toothpaste. And every bit of hope that's inside of you that you thought would hold you begin to squeeze it out of you. Because how you know, life will squeeze the life out of you. It will squeeze the very breath out of you. It will squeeze the very finances of you. Can I tell you? something Jesus has you right where he wants you to be he has you where there is nothing left but everything that is in him will give it to you and he said just come unto me oh heavy laden and those that are burdened down because I will give you rest and let you do things over again I remember one time I worked in a bar I worked I was a barber for many years and no, I won't cut your hair. Please don't ask. I'm retired. I am retired. Retired. Done. God moved me from the ministry of the chair to the ministry of the pulpit. I am done. Unless you absolutely cannot afford it, please just, you know. But I remember one time, <laughs> I can't advertise that. People ask all the time. I, <laughs> I remember one time we were working in this barber shop and we worked on the East End and I was there for about a decade. And we would, all, we would see all kinds of characters coming in and out of there. I mean, you work on the East End, you see all kinds of characters, Lord Jesus. And, and I'll never forget this one guy coming in. And we had it all the time. Guys that were really, or women, kids, down on their luck, really down on luck, this one guy. And he just said, hey, can I sweep up the hair for you guys? And you guys just give me whatever you want to give me. And I'll sweep it up for you guys. And here this guy was cleaning. Barbershop was full that day. And this certain guy, he was a Marine, real tough guy, real tough guy. He always took and he would lay his wallet down on the chairs where you were waiting. And he always took off his hoodie and there was his wallet in his chair and and his hoodie. And he did it every single time he got a haircut. Well, this one certain time, this this guy was sweeping up and no one noticed. uh, But the Marine looked over and said, who has my wallet? Have you know, things got real tight in there. And... He knew because he was very observant, but he wanted to give that guy a chance. The guy, while he was sweeping, took the man's wallet. And he said, I'm going to ask again, who took my wallet? And, and no one said anything, and he got up out of the chair. I don't know why the Marine took his shirt off, but he did. <laughs> and he was going to get his wallet back, no matter how it took. He even walked to the TV and turned the TV off just to create more of a silence in there. We were very tight in there. We were very scared. Didn't know what was going to happen. But we let it play out the way it was going to play out. Thank God our owner walked in the door. Our owner was about 6'4". At the time, weighed 300 pounds. He was a very big man. Um, He took care of the situation. Thank you, Jesus. He walked through the door at the right time. He took the guy into the corner, patted him down. The guy had his wallet. 
the moment the Marine came around the corner and he said, hey, I want to ask you a question. He said, why did you take my wallet? He didn't answer him. He asked him again. He said, why did you take my wallet? And he said, because I need the money and I feel hopeless. I'll never forget that. And the Marine said, what were you hoping was in the money? And he said, I really needed $50. And the Marine literally reached in his wallet, took $50 out, handed it to the guy. And he said, if you would have just asked, I'd have gave it to you. And he said, but to show you mercy, I'm going to still give you the money today. How do you know that's Jesus? And can I tell you something that maybe you've been out on your luck and maybe you've even done some things to take your hope back. Come on. Done things and you're running out on your hope. You're running out on your life. And you've done some things that maybe you shouldn't have done. But can I tell you something? Jesus is coming to you today to say, what is it you needed? And you know what I found out is all we got to do is ask. The Bible says if we ask and knock, how do you know he'll be faithful to give what we needed? And I don't know where you're at today, and maybe you just need Jesus in here today. Can I tell you something? He's already in the room because I feel him in here today. Can I tell you something? That maybe you're not living for him the way you should be living. Can I tell you something? He's still here to give you a do-over. Can I tell you something? That maybe you've been in, in church, but maybe, you know what? You've been serving God, but it feels like you've lost your hope. Can I tell you something? He's here to restore your hope to even today. Rob, if you'll come, I'm telling you this, that even no matter where you're at in God today, I am telling you, God is here as the restorer of the breach for man. I've walked through many storms in my life and gave up hope. I'll never forget one time as I was walking, I don't know if you saw our bishop on the screen, Bishop Matthews. And I walked into his office three, three years ago, and I was completely, completely hopeless. I lost all hope. Lost all hope. And no matter what I said to him, he took it. No matter what I told him that I was doing in private, he let me say it. No matter what wrong I was doing, he fathered me. But I'll never forget one time I was so angry. And I said, I am done with hope. Because hope is what's hurting me. Can I ask you a question today? Have you gave up on your dreams because every time you feel an ounce of hope, it feels like you're going to be crushed. But I don't want to feel that again. Because if I feel it, it won't come to pass. My little girl, Destiny, the one that was dancing, reminded me of Joseph this morning. Could you imagine Joseph who had a promise? And every time it looked like his promise was going to come to pass, life crushed him. And it crushed him. And it crushed him. But could you imagine him sitting in that prison? People kept looking over him and his dreams would never come to pass. But God said, I'm going to give you the hope to hope again. (laughs) Good God. I don't even need hope in this place this morning. I need hope to hope again. 
Because every time I get in a relationship, it ends the same way. Every time I get a job, it ends the same way. Every time I give my heart to somebody, it gets crushed again. And I don't know where you're at, but maybe you're just tired of feeling that ounce of hope. Can I tell you something? I want to give you a new anchor today. Because relationships may always let you down. Jobs may always let you down. Ministry sometimes will even. Your kids sometimes will let you down. Husband, your wife. But can I tell you something? Jesus will never let you down. And he says, when you are anchored in him, no matter the storm, no matter what you're walking through, no matter the waves, can I tell you something? They will never get so big that they will overtake you because I'm reminded of Peter when he stepped out of the boat. And for some of y'all, you're going to have to step out of the boat and say, I'm going to hope again. But can I tell you something? Even when the storms come and they get big, Jesus is going to come walking across the storm and say, son, try it again. Stand with me this morning. As Rob begins to sing this song, as Rob begins to sing this song, I want you to think about just doing a do-over. Just do a do-over. It's not wishful thinking, but when you know him, everything will work out. So if you know it, sing along with him. And if that's you this morning, I want you to begin to think about having hope again. Come on, Rob. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. We may strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on Him. Changing grace, every high and stormy game, my anchor holds a thing. My anchor holds a thing.
would he still be your child? If he was in junk, would you still pick him up? Can I ask 
ask you a question. Have you ever had those times where your baby, I mean, just literally vomits all over you? You don't, you don't say, oh my God, and you try to push it away. You may be shocked, but you still hold on to it. Can I tell you something? No matter how messed up your life feels, God said, oh, just still come to me. Because I'll pick you up right where you're at. And I'll show you who you really are. I'll show you. Can I tell you something? You'll never know who you are until you know yourself in Jesus. Without Jesus, I'd have been abused sexually, ran into suicide, run into all kinds of drugs and alcohol and all kinds of bad relationships. And I come to him broken as a person can get. But Jesus began to show me who I was in him. But he turned my life around. And he took me in a mess and made my mess my message. My good God. And I tell you, I don't know what you're in today. I don't know where you're at. But I'm telling you, God will take you and restore you. If that's you, I want you to close your eyes with me today. Bow your head. Come on, close your eyes and bow your head. If that's you today, and you're saying, you know what? Preacher, I, I, I can't come up there. I'm embarrassed. If that's you with no one looking around, if that's you, just slip up your hand and we're going to pray with you. Not, not with no one coming to you, but the Spirit of God is going to hover with you right there where you're at. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. Saying, I need hope again. Come on. Come on. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I need hope again. I need hope again. Come on. I see it moving all over you. I see him restoring you right there where you're at. If that's you, come on, just slip up your hand right there where you're at. It's the first step of saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. Father, I thank you, God, for these people. Father, I thank you, God, for who you are. Father, I thank you that you are our cornerstone. Thank you that in Christ alone, I'm made strong. Christ alone, God, no matter what weaknesses I face, God, I'm in you. Father, I thank you. Father, I praise you. Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, guys. I'm so thankful you were here today. I love you. And I know you're saying, you know what, preacher, you were a little, you know, if you love me, why'd you tell me so much about Jesus? It's because I love you. It's because I love you. Because I know how wonderful he is and how wonderful he's been to me. Amen? Hey, listen, I want to see you back in the place next week, 11 o'clock next Sunday morning.